Thanks, guys. That was a, a powerful, uh, powerful worship experience there. And our, my prayer is, is, is that we, as we've used our voice, you know, we continue to listen now to his voice. I believe that God wants to speak to us. And it's sometimes that we need to change our voice so we listen to his voice. And this is our series. You know, we're journeying in the next couple of weeks through this teaching series, The, the Voice um, and, and this is the second week, and the stage looks great, doesn't it? And Leon introduced um, the, the, the first part of it last week, and he did a great job. You know, if you missed it, I really want to encourage you to listen to the podcast, and you can get that off our website. You know, I love the TV show, The Voice. <laughs> and there's one judge in particular that's a favorite of mine. And coming from Wales, can you guess who it is? It's Will I Am. Of course not. It's Tom Jones. And that's because we Welsh people have to stick together. And that's something you see on the show, isn't it? Nearly every Welsh person that the the judges uh, turn for, they know the moment they say they're from Wales, it's all over. Tom Jones has got it in the bag. He's also made my favourite judge because me and Tom have a lot in common. We're both from Wales, both incredibly good looking. <laughs> what? And we've got this, we've both got this deep voice thing going on. You know, he has a word that he often uses uh, during the show. Yeah. And Cara, my four-year-old daughter, she loves it when, she's, when, when he says that. And then when I say it, and, and she tries to do it too. And I'm in stitches as she pulls this weird face and she tries to say it really low. She goes, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But the main thing we have in common, me and Tom, is our surname. Tom Jones was actually born Tom Woodward. He changed his name later to Jones as it sounded more Welsh. And I've done some research. I've checked out if we were related, if we are related, and unfortunately we're not. It would have been a great end to the story, wouldn't it, if I could say, yes, he's my uncle, but we're not. And anyway, this morning isn't really about Tom Jones, it's about Jesus. And it's not about the TV show, The Voice. Uh, it's, it's about hearing and listening to the voice that matters the most, God's voice. And in a world where there is lots of voices vying for our attention, where there's lots of noise, lots of clutter, sometimes created by our own voice, by an internal voice. You know, how do we tune out and tune into the main voice, to God's voice? Well, it's my prayer over the next 20, 25 minutes that we'll drown out some of those other voices. The voices that say we have to look a certain way, act a certain way in order for people to like us, in order for us to fit in. You know, if people don't like you as you are, then they're probably not worth listening to. But actually, what happens is we do listen to those voices and we buy things we don't really need with money we don't really have to impress people we don't really like. And then there's voices that have been spoken over us in the past, negative voices, hurtful voices that we still give time to, that we still listen to. And then there's voices that we speak over ourselves. You know, our voice is the most powerful thing God gives us. And how we use it is important. 
The Bible says that there is power, that the power of life and death is in our tongue, in the tongue, in our voice. And we can use it to build people up or we can bring people down. We can speak life and death over ourselves too. But like I said, it's my prayer this morning that every other voice is silenced and that we'll listen to the voice that matters the most. We'll listen to God's voice. How many of you here have have ever said something you regret? How many of you have said something you wish you could take back? How many of you have said something that was just completely and utterly stupid? How many of you have done all three together? Well, a long time ago, and can I stress, it was a long time ago, when I was a lot younger and living in mid Wales, I was shopping in Woolworths. Who remembers Woolworths? It's on its way back. Come on. It was, it, was, it was Christmas time, and I'd been shopping for my two daughters, head down, arms full, and I'm walking, and I suddenly bump into this person and knock them flying. Her stuff goes everywhere. My stuff goes everywhere. We both say sorry and we're, we're bending down, um, gathering our things together. It was then that I recognised it was Sean Lloyd, the weather lady off the television. And that's exactly what I said to her. Oh, you're Sean Lloyd off the, wev- uh, the, the, lev- the weather lady off the television, as if she didn't know. She just, she just smiled. We both stood up. I apologised again and then went on to say something worse. I said, I'm really sorry. I didn't see you there. You were a lot shorter in real life. (laughs) It gets worse. I asked her if she was okay and not hurt, and then trying to defuse the situation, I turned around and said to her, well, you didn't forecast that coming, did you? She just smiled the whole time, possibly a fake one, probably a sympathetic one. And she was most likely thinking, who's this muppet standing in front of me? You know, she got her things together quick and she moved away a lot quicker. But I hope she recalls that moment as fondly as I do. Probably not. Then fast forward uh, a few years and I start coming to this church and some of the first people I was introduced to Uh, When I came here was Dan and Rachel Bennett. They were my first life group leaders. And to get to know each other better, they invited me around their house for for tea one evening. You know, we may have spoken only once or or twice in church beforehand. So I'm at their house. We're in their living room. We're having tea together uh, on our laps. We talk about usual stuff, hobbies, you know, what I did for a living, etc. And and actually, you know, I used to work for Laura Ashley. There's a, there's a Welsh theme going on here this morning. I used to work for Laura Ashley. And as an employee, you used to get some really good perks. And this is important to the story. It's set in the scene. You see, they had a, a factory shop. And if uh, anything was sent back from a customer, you were able to buy it really cheap. And I'd bought some uh, women's leather jackets for, for family members. And I had one spare. And to say thank you uh, to Rachel for cooking my tea and wanting to create a good impression, I thought I'd offer it her, but I really didn't think about how. So we're sitting, we're having tea in our laps, there's a break in the conversation, uh, and I thought thought I'd, I'd take that moment to ask. But then in my head, I heard a voice saying, what if she's a person who's against animals being used for that? What if I cause offense instead of making a good impression? 
and not wanting to do that, um, I thought I'd check. So what I said next totally come out wrong, and I'll never forget it. And I don't think Dan or Rachel either. You know, as there's a pause in the conversation, I asked the question, so Rach, do you wear leather? <laughs> Not a great question to ask to somebody you've only just met. You know, Dan had taken a mouthful of food which he spat everywhere. Rach burst out laughing. She went bright red and I just wanted to die. I did eventually explain myself and we've been the best of friends ever since. You know, I'm, I'm sure we've all said stuff we wish we hadn't. <laughs> and we know the moment we say them, we can't take them back, however hard we want to try. We've all put our foot in it and said something wrong. But you know what? We choose to put the boot in when we say something hurtful. And I'm sure there's not a single person here who hasn't been hurt by something that someone's said to them. You know, it may have been a stranger, a bully, a friend, a family member, a loved one, someone who's supposed to have your back, but instead they stab you in it. We're humans, not goldfish. And as a result, we're not great at forgetting stuff, are we? We remember it. We hang on to it. We carry it with us. And because we do that, we let it define us. I'm sure we can all remember someone at school who was nasty to us. It's not hard to, to think of that person or persons. And then there's that rhyme. And if you're of a certain age here this morning, you'll remember it. And you were possibly told to recite it. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never... But that's not really true, is it? Because we know that names actually destroy us. Words have power. And it's why the Bible says that there's life and death in the voice that we use. The voices of the past drag us back there. They keep us there if we allow them. We can quickly become the child in the playground again, can't we? That's because the voice that's hurt us the most, we listen to the most, we give attention to the most. But what I want you to know this morning is that there's a greater voice, a voice that silences every other voice, a voice that always brings life, always brings hope. And it's because of his voice, because of God's voice, that we can let go of every other voice. We can let go of the hurt in our past because Jesus has dealt with our past. You see, our hurt doesn't determine our heart. God demonstrates his heart by showing his love towards us. The enemy can only use his voice to bring up the past of a person but Jesus uses his voice to deal with that past and then improve their future. That's incredible, isn't it? God's voice brings life, brings hope, brings salvation, brings transformation, brings reconciliation. But we have to stop running from our past and turn to God. And the moment we do, it's God who, who turns to us and runs towards us. He demonstrates his heart. And Jesus paints that picture when he shares the parable of the lost son in the in the gospels you know when the father sprints towards his son who's decided to return home 
And if you have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament, which is in the first part of the Bible. And actually, we're in the very first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. And we'll look at chapter 16 and start reading from verse 1. While you're switching your Bibles on, I want to set the scene. There's, there's three people in this story. Abram, who later becomes Abraham. Sarai, who later becomes Sarah. And Hagar, whose name doesn't change. Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai in the previous chapters, they've heard God's voice. God made a covenant with Abram. He promises a nation to him. He promises to bless him. He promises that he would make Abram famous and that he would be a blessing to many others. That's some blessing, but there's more. God also tells Abram to look into the sky and count the stars. And then he tells him that, he tells him that that's how many descendants he will have. There's a, a problem though, and it's a, a pretty big problem at that. You see, at this time, Abram and Sarai, who were getting on in years, didn't have children. And it was thought that Sarai couldn't conceive children, but God promises them a son. And at that moment, Abram is full of faith and believes. And we know, don't we, from the story and, and looking back, we know how that story ends and we know what God has promised he'll accomplish, but it's in his time. Some of you here this morning maybe still standing on God's promises that haven't come about yet. I want to encourage you to keep standing. It's in his time. You know, if he said it, he'll accomplish it. You don't have to force it. You just have to trust him with it. It's always in his time. And we can learn that through this story. We can learn it through the mistakes made in this story also. You know, Abraham and Sarai, they've clearly heard the voice of God, but because of the time that has passed now, um, when, since he spoke, they take matters into their own hands. And we'll pick the story up in chapter 16 and verse 1. The words will come on screen. It says this now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And we'll pause right there for a minute because now Sarai's obviously listening to a different voice. She knew the promise of God. She knew what God had said to them. But now because of this other voice, she's taking matters into her own hands. You know, whenever God speaks, the enemy will always try and use his voice. And let me say an inferior voice to try and get us to doubt what God has said. Look what happens next. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. In some translations, it says that Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And we see that here, don't we? Abram's now listening to a different voice. There's no hesitation. There's no pause for thought. There's no, I'll take a moment to pray about this. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So he's got the green light and he goes through it. He's listened to a different voice and here's why. Verse 3, so after Abram, Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years. And the clue is right there, 10 years. It's been 10 years now since he first heard God's voice and had that promise. A long time has passed since he was full of faith and believed. Continuing on, Sarai, his wife, 
took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And as you listen to that, you may think that's a a little bit weird, but actually it was customary uh, at this time for that to happen if a wife couldn't bear a child for her husband. And then there's two thoughts that I just want to focus on for a minute, why Hagar started to despise Sarai. One is that she hated the fact that she was forced to sleep with a much older man and bear a child that she might not have wanted. Or the other thought, and and the most probable one, is that once Hagar uh, became pregnant, she started to rub Sarai's nose in it. She started to say, look what I can offer Abram and you couldn't and of course this gets Sarai's back up and what she does next is brilliant now I'm not saying all women are like this but basically she blames her husband verse 5 then Sarai said to Abram you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant she despises me may the Lord judge between you and me But Abram comes back quickly and he says, I'm having none of it. Basically what he says, your idea, your problem, love, you deal with it. That's my paraphrase. We'll see what he actually says in a minute. But that's possibly like us men, isn't it? You know, if we can get away with it without taking no responsibility for it, we'll do it. I'm just trying to pull it back there. Let's uh, see what Abram actually said. Verse 6, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So Sarai starts to mistreat Hagar. She gives her a hard time. And guys, this isn't just do the washing up for a month, <laughs> clean, do the cleaning chores for a month. This is bad. This is serious because Hagar flees from her. She's pregnant. She's young. She's a slave and she's all alone. And she runs away and she tries to run back to the only place that's familiar to her, Egypt. And we all have a tendency to run away, don't we, when our past catches up with us. You know, maybe if Hagar hadn't made such a a big deal in the first place, she wouldn't now have to be running. But instead of facing her past, she now has to run from it. She runs from it. And we do that too, don't we? We run away when we don't face up to the things in our past when there's stuff there that we haven't dealt with. It may be stuff from our childhood, stuff from our teenage years, stuff that's happened to us as an adult. You know, life is tough and everybody hurts sometimes. REM did a song about that. But instead of dealing with that hurt, instead of facing that hurt, we can dismiss it, we can cover it, and then we run from it. But what we have to realize is that when we run from something, we run to something and more often than not we run back to something we run to somewhere familiar to just like Hagar we all have an Egypt what's your Egypt where do you run to or what do you run to you know when our job gets difficult we we run to another when our marriage hits trouble we run into the arms of another When we're no longer number one in our friendships, even in our churches, we run to others. We run to Egypt. 
And Egypt is not really the answer though. It's never going to make things better, but it is often what we turn to. It becomes a hiding place. It becomes a hiding place for all the other stuff, all the other things that are going on. You know, the other stuff, the other things that haven't been dealt with either. Egypt becomes a hiding place, and it's somewhere we run to, and we hide behind that stuff that hasn't been dealt with, and the stuff we don't want to deal with. You know, what's your Egypt? What are you hiding from? Are you hiding behind insecurity? Are you hiding behind anger? Are you hiding behind worry? Are you hiding behind control? Are you hiding behind self-harm? Hiding behind alcohol, behind drugs, behind sex, behind shopping, behind eating, behind pride. See, these are all signs that our past hasn't been dealt with, that we're running and that we're still in Egypt. But there is a voice that can change all of that this morning. See, God's voice speaking tenderly into our hearts today is the same voice that powerfully called creation into being. His voice is is life. It brings life and it changes everything. God wants to meet you in your Egypt. Actually, he wants to meet you before you get to Egypt because he did that with Hagar. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside a road to Shur, which is uh, on the way to Egypt, and it's in a wilderness. God meets us in our wilderness. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. God meets Hagar as she's running away. And he asks her two questions. Not because uh, that he doesn't know the answers, but he wants Hagar to be truthful. She admits she's running away. And likewise with us, God wants to admit what we're running away from. It's then that God tells her to go back because what she's running away from and running to won't solve anything. What God is really saying is that she was exactly where she was supposed to be. (laughs) And actually, she would miss the blessing that God had for her in that place by running away. And it could be that God is saying the same to you this morning. You know, instead of running from the problem, he wants to help you solve the problem. It might be that you are exactly where he wants you to be. And while you may want to run, he wants you to stay and bless you in it. Bless you through it. He wants you to hear and listen to his voice. You know, life is tough sometimes. But I want you to know that we can still hear God's voice through it. And also that he really does want to bless us in it. If we don't run away. You know, these, um, these last couple of weeks have been really difficult for me. And some of you may be facing really difficult situations here too. But I want you to know that through it, I've heard God's voice possibly louder than I've ever heard it before and been blessed beyond measure. 
you know, I shared a, a couple of weeks ago that when I last spoke, you know, my dad had been diagnosed with cancer and that we were waiting for a, a consultant's appointment. You know, I've been blown away by the, the support and the prayers offered by most of you and I really want to thank you for that. You know, a week later, his appointment came and it was then that we, we had the devastating news that his, his cancer is terminal and that he may only have months to live. There's nothing they can do and that was a complete shock to us. It was totally unexpected. And, and I race over to Shrewsbury when I hear the news and by that time my mum and dad had left the hospital and we meet in, in Starbucks. You know, everyone's in shock, everyone's crying apart from my dad who's, who's being really strong and he's saying, I'm going to fight this. <laughs> and the night before dad's appointment, I, I really didn't get any sleep. Uh, and when I finally did drop off, I had the words of John 11, verses 25 and 26 racing through my head. It was going on all night long. I couldn't get rid of them. And the words say this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And we can look at that and we can think about it. And I'm thinking that it's about death and dying but what it actually is, is about life and living. And this was God's voice, but I knew it wasn't for me, it was for my dad. <laughs> and as we're sitting in Starbucks, and everyone knows I love Starbucks, and actually I love it even more now. As we're sitting in Starbucks talking for hours, I get to share these verses with my mom and dad. I get to speak God's voice, God's truth, God's life into their situation. And then I got to pray with them and lead them back into a relationship with Jesus. You know, in the middle of a coffee shop, holding both their hands with Dee and my two daughters around me. You know, out of a horrible and what seemed like a hopeless and desperate situation, God gave hope, salvation, and transformation. And you know, I, I might not get the miracle I want, but I've had the greatest miracle of all. You know, my mom and dad back in a relationship with Jesus which I never thought would happen. You see, I listened to a, a different voice in my head that, that said it wouldn't happen and that it certainly wouldn't happen through me because I was too close. But then when it came to it, I changed the voice I listened to because there's a greater voice to listen to. You see, when we listen to God's voice, we become his voice. He uses us to speak into other people's situations. You know, please use the voice God has given you. It really is a matter of life or death. And you can speak life, you can speak truth, you can speak hope, peace, strength, love into anyone and everyone's situation. And then when you do, please share your story because it encourages everyone and everyone needs to be encouraged. And it's why we've produced these cards. You know, we, we want to hear your stories and be encouraged when you've used your voice to speak into someone's situation. Please do that. Fill them in. Pop them in the letterbox here on stage and, and, and we'll share them. We want to encourage others. And then a, a week last Thursday, I, I went to visit my mom and dad to connect them to a really good church in their area. It's a church that's very similar to ours. It's an AOG church, but we won't hold that against them. We got to meet the pastor, uh, and mom and God, dad got to share their story and, and what's going on in their life. 
And you know, as I'm sitting there, as I'm listening, I notice their voice has changed too. My mom said that she'd had an unbelievable strength since receiving the news about my dad. And that's possibly because of your prayers and my prayers. She said that it wasn't a a natural strength. And we all know it's not natural, do we? It's supernatural. But then what totally blew me away was my dad turns around and said he's not scared about dying because he knows where he's going. You know, in a short space of time, God has done so much. And that's because they're now listening to a different voice. They can hear his voice. And it's the same, guys, for all of us here this morning. We can all choose to listen to a different voice. We are all able to hear his voice. I watched a, I watched a talk by, by Louis Giglio from the, from the Passion 2015 conference some weeks ago. And some of this next bit is his. It's, it's that good and it, and it really spoke to me. You know, we really don't have to give in to the voices of the past. They really have been dealt with because we have a a greater voice. We have a greater voice in Jesus who used it, who used his voice to say three of the most powerful words ever. It is finished. Jesus' last words should be our first words. We don't have to listen any longer to a weaker, insignificant voice because it's drowned out by the greatest voice. It is finished. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, our past no longer has any control over us. We're set free from it. Our chains are gone. It is finished. We no longer have to run away. We can stay exactly where God's placed us and we can choose to listen to a different voice, the greatest voice, Jesus's voice. It is finished. We have a different voice. We have his voice, the voice of hope, peace, truth, strength, forgiveness, joy, and salvation. Let's change our voice. Let's listen to his voice, and let's get to know the voice. Let's allow the word of God to speak. I don't know what's happened in your past. Some of you it may be really difficult and some of the stuff you, you may be facing now is extremely hard but what I do know is that the word of God speaks and that we can leave it in our past because Jesus has dealt with our past he says three of the most powerful words ever it is finished and in a moment we're, we're going to take communion And I want you to come out and get it. I want you to step into something this morning. You know, it's a reminder that it is finished. You know, what Jesus did on the cross, he dealt with everything. Not only our sin, not only our guilt, not only our shame, but everything else as well. We don't have to give power to our past anymore. Jesus is the voice. Let's listen to his word God does speak what we're going to do is is you're going to come out and and take communion there's there's three stations here and there's two at the back and as you come out let it be a reminder that whatever has happened Jesus says it is finished what he did on the cross was for you everything 
he did on the cross was for you. It is finished. And then as you come out and as you take it and as you're reminded of that, you know, it may be that you need to hear God speak. The word of God speak. You know, our, our prayer team will be here on the right hand side. And as you've taken communion, as you've used that as a reminder, you may need the word of God to speak. You know, whatever's going on in your situation, whatever has gone on in your situation, let the voice of God speak. You know, this morning, you may need hope. You may need comfort. You may need assurance. You may need strength. Whatever it is in your situation, you may need forgiveness. You may need joy. You may need to just stop beating yourself up and listen to a different voice. Whatever it is this morning, come out and listen. Change the voice that you're listening to. You don't have to say what's going on. You don't have to say what's going on. Just say the one word. The one word that you need. Is it hope? Is it strength? Is it assurance? Come out and listen to a different voice. I really want to encourage you to do that this morning. Let the word of God speak. So as the the band continue to play, the team will come and, and they'll come and take the covers and stand with you. And I want to encourage you to come and take communion. Be reminded it is finished. And then I want to encourage you to get prayer. Change your voice. Listen to God's voice. Amen.